I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello everyone, it is the podcast, I am Paul Machin, I am joined in the studio by Chris Pajak and by James Sutton as well. Oh, and a little come bit of on, that's not his introduction. The man, the legend, the one, the only, the <laughs> James Sutton, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, si, I need my monitor in front of me, that'll be lovely, let's get the housekeeper out of the way, um, rather than me do it subtly. Um, the... The Mighty Reds are up and running in the league, which is great. Football has returned, um, and it returned with three big points. Uh, we've got a couple of kickoff questions we're going to get through. We're going to discuss the Norwich game. We're going to be talking about some fallout from the weekend um, in a general space. It just gives me an excuse to talk about City and Spurs, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and then we're going to go into a bit of transfers at the end as well. So, yeah, first kickoff question uh, comes from Jess M82. What children's film scarred you for life, James Sutton? Many, many things scarred me for life as a child, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of them I probably can't talk about on this show. Um, Wow. What? If we're going to talk films, though, I think I think I I can't go much further wrong with with Labyrinth. Labyrinth really, really the opening. I don't think I've ever really got over the opening sequence from Labyrinth, where. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but the, there's a baby in a cot yep. and the girl, the, 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 the heroine of the piece. Is, the sister. The sister. She's babysitting and all these creatures break in and take the baby and take her to David Bowie, who sings some songs with a sort of cod piece. It's all very <laughs> extravagant, but I digress. The opening part of the, the sequence is, is, is truly terrifying. Um, there's lightning and, and wind and it's quite creepy and the baby's gone and then there's monsters everywhere. You can see I, my palms are sweating. I've never really got, <laughs> I've never really got over it's, it. It's the speech pattern. Legs we can't forget. Yeah, it's the speech pattern of terror. That's very good. <laughs> oh, PTSD. Yeah. There is only one children's film that I think is the right answer to this and that is Watership Down. I, oh, I mean, are you kidding God. me? Like, I mean, they literally, rabbits get stuck in a burrow. It's uh, it's more of a bloodbath <laughs> than Kill Bill when she's killing the crazy 88. At times during the film, the, the, the rabbit with the big red eye and all this type of stuff, it's terrifying, it's horrible. It's about 40 years old. It's It can't possibly be a children's film. It's ridiculous. Do you know that it's still one of the most complained about 
shows whenever it gets repeated on TV. Good. <laughs> Quite rightly, I watched it when I was 36 and was still just as scared. Well, they talk about like a desensitisation of the youth. You know, it was more and more and more. We, we get older and you become just, you know, you just, I remember going to see The Dark Knight and the bit where you see Two-Face revealed for the first time. Some kids watching it, they burst out laughing. It's like, what are you doing? It's horrendous, Parvy. Um, but yeah, but that, it, it, I think it's good to know that the stuff from our youth is 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 so much darker, and I think there's a cause. I mean, look, it's an animation, so this kind of like is is a bit mad. But everything we watched was a bit darker and a bit mm. grimmer and a bit grittier. Like like you watched Indiana Jones films and never thought about it. But they are horrific. Yeah, absolutely. Pulls like a heart out of a chest. Yeah. Doesn't he, in one <laughs> they're of them, they're right? eating monkey brains. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now this doesn't quite class as a, as a children film, in fact, not in any way, shape, or form. But there's a famous story in our family about how my dad made a. Um, a PG edit of RoboCop for me. Right. So this is back in the day of VHS, of course, and back in the day of tape to tape, and that, you know, there's people of a certain age who I've got no idea what we're, what we're talking about in this, but you'd have your VHS player, and you could basically... He played the film and paused the recording over any of the horrendous violence. So the bit where he gets shot a bit at the start, I never saw that until I was about 18. And like, or, and like, or, or anything, anything with blood or gore, he cropped out. So he just, it was a, it was a film about it, about a, a, a robot policeman who, um, who beats a giant, who beats a giant robot. And <laughs> just then, helped everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, and then that's it, basically. Like, you I mean, but it's still, I love your commitment, your dad's commitment to the classics. Like, he needed to see this. <laughs> He can't wait. He can't wait. But it's still scared. Ed two oh nine in Robocop still scared the living shit out How of me. How old were you when you finally watched the I, unedited version? I, I yeah, I was I'd have probably been about eighteen and I was like <laughs> gobsmacked. That's like, not what's supposed to happen. No, no, God, honestly, like I and I, as I knew, but like I mean that film is is horrendous. It's, it's absolutely horrendously brutal. Um let us know. What kids film scarred for life in the comments section? Um, and we'll, yeah, we'll go. Charlie in the Chocolate Factory says Nigel Jones. I can get that. The Child Catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang says mm-hmm. Scott. Um, yeah, and to be fair, the Watership Dan is like the. Yeah, here we go. Matthew Norton, dude, Watership Dan. I had to turn that off as a kid. <laughs> no child should it's be put through that. Do you think that the amount of like news that Mortal Kombat got when it came out as a computer game for having blood? I mean, they were literally just tearing each other apart. These rabbits and stuff. <laughs> Insane. Insane. Yeah. The other one is which, which nowhere near is like a blood and gore, but the Transformers movie is like they call it like a charge of the light brigade for all of your favorite transformers because they all die. Basically the Transformers <laughs> movie Optimus Prime dies in the first like 10 minutes. He gets shot to death and dies. And it's like I've not seen the Transformers. Yeah, don't. It's, it's a terrible film anyway. <laughs> I think that Orson Welles is the voice of the main body in it which is which is I tell crazy. you what else was scary but not not in a like just one person from a film the Cooper Troopers in the Mario film. Oh yeah. They were weird. Yeah. Yeah, the really uh, small heads. Yeah. Really small heads. There's, like, there's an amazing story behind the making of that of on. that film. Oh, it, it, the, the script was being written as they were making it. They didn't know yeah, where that, it, they didn't know where it was going. <laughs> yeah, none, yeah. None of the cast were happy. No one knew what was happening. There's, if, if there's a documentary on YouTube, I recommend you check it out because it's just. I mean, those sort of productions just wouldn't happen nowadays, man. It's just. 
it just wouldn't. There you go. Um, Matthew Baird, who's one of our YouTube members here, has dropped into the comments. Uh, saying, so good to have you back, lads. Uh, yeah, thank you. Well, it, but it's more. It's I so like good to have you back. Just, I like the people who just get off for the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And come back. Big Brilliant. Fan, big fan of that. And they come back like, oh, it's great Refreshed. to have you back. We've literally been here all summer. We do this every year. Um, yeah, great. Right, we've got a more football-leading uh, kickoff question before we dive in to talk about the Reds. And Benjamin, who's at Ben Rashbrook on Twitter, says... Uh, what are your all-time favourite pair of football boots and why, Chris? My Eleanor, to, to go gone in 60 seconds on this, is the Adidas World Cups. Yeah. Because we just we just couldn't afford them when I was a kid, like, you know what I mean? So I've never owned a pair of Adidas World Cups and they're my favourite for looking at. Yeah. Uh, you've got a pair at you, haven't you now? And um, Yeah, so I, I've always wanted a pair of them. But... Um, as actually playing in them, I think I did my best work, believe it or not, in a pair of Patrick's. Oh, Roy Keane specials. <laughs> yeah. When nice. I was like 10 or it's 11. It's mad, isn't it? No, no, no ceremony, just... Patrick were the least, one of the least fashionable shoe brands, but in terms of like football, they were actually okay. They were like, they were very, very low-key. 90 minutes, you'd have adverts for Patrick in, in 90 Minutes magazine. Go on, you got a favourite pair that you wore or that you saw? The only pair I can really think of that kind of meant anything when I was when I was a kid and the and the original Predators came out I couldn't really really afford yeah. Predators but a mate of mine had them and then about two or three years later so I'd have probably been about 13 14 um, he gave them me he went oh, I don't I'm not really use them and he's hardly worn them so my first proper pair of boots were the original Predators man and phew, you could ping balls with them they had all those little grooves down yeah, yeah, oh. yeah I remember them yeah it was a Craig Johnson wasn't it who came up with the Predators there's, wasn't there was it a, I remember, there's a documentary about it again about, really? about, like he, so he, yeah he decided that he wanted to make them he took originally he took some tread off a um, conveyor belt and stuck them to a pair of boots and that was how the original Predators were born and then uh, yeah work with Adidas and built them up and built them up and huh. built them up yeah. there you go yeah, what, a Liverpool player as well. Yeah, uh, in terms of owning, like yeah, I've, I've had Mundials and World Cups in later life, well, well past the time when I actually really need them or play or play, <laughs> or play need them to play football anymore. But like, I can I can afford them, so I so I have them. But um, like Puma, Puma Kings, I Classic, can never yeah. afford Puma Ooh. Kings. I had like the. The second tier that they were called Puma Cups was the one. I think I had them as well. Did they still have the full tongue? They had the full tongue, yeah. Um, there was Deodora, John, I had a pair of John Barnes Deodora boots, which I grew out of. And they were a size four when I was a kid, and I grew out of them in two weeks because I just did a growth spurt oh, between my birthday and that's so Never yeah, had never, that problem. Never. never <laughs> <laughs> to this day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one. Slow and steady. There's one in the race, apparently. There's definitely. Like I, I, I would tell you what I always wanted Lottos, because when we were younger, like Lottos were a bit. Of a, you just wouldn't see them very often, and like the, you'd see, like obviously, Serie A was big in the nineties and stuff like that, and a lot of the Italian players wore lottos yeah. and stuff. They were cool boots, man. Yeah, absolutely. The um, yeah, and like, the ones that started, but the first time you saw a pair of boots, that, like wow, was probably the Ronaldo boots of France ninety eight. Yeah. They were like the, the, blue the and silver and the, silver and blue ones. ones, and it was like like the first time you saw like a space age pair of football mm. boots, and obviously it was amazing in that tournament, apart from the final. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, a couple of shouts here from Matthew North, Adidas Preds, and pretend I'm Gerard. Yeah, I had a I had a black pair in when I went to uni in 2001, like the cheapest version of Adidas ones, which were the red and black ones that look like really really from a distance. You might think they were predators, but they very much were not. Uh, but like, yeah, yeah, that that yeah, definitely definitely that kind of stuff um 
Far from news, just sent a super chat in for £1.79. Thank you so much. Um, Gareth Baird. That's another question. What happens to Redman Picks at the weekend? I miss most of your videos during the summer. So we actually got a new thing. I, I, obviously, we're not, this is, isn't sponsored by this uh, this week, but um, there's a thing called Ultimate Fan, which you can check out. There'll be more on our socials about that, which is basically if you've got a Redman Picks account, you can just jump over to that and it's really good fun. Uh, but yeah, more details to follow on the Umbu, I think, this week, maybe on that. Um, or yeah, just check out the Redman TV Twitter account for more details and all that good stuff um, right let's um, have a very very short break when we return we're going to be talking about Norwich City uh, we're going to be talking about Liverpool's midfield we're going to be talking about transfers and we're going to be talking about um, yeah the catastrophe for a couple of football teams of the weekend to make us feel good see you in a sec Hey everyone, our brand new book has landed. Hendo, 10 years a red premium collector's edition, the definitive Jordan Henderson collection in A4 size, 200 pages, full color, incredible insight, in-depth knowledge, and the stories of his rise from a young boy in Sunderland all the way through their academy to the Premier League taking the captain's armband, becoming the captain, and leading Liverpool to be champions of everything and beyond as well. It's got his greatest moments season on season, some incredible, unique, phenomenal custom artwork from some of the best Liverpool artists on the scene. Incredible high-definition photos of his best moments as well. It is an incredible Jordan Henderson collection, and it fits right in your hands, just about. It is a behemoth of a book. It is incredible, and it is available right now you can get it and you can learn more about the Liverpool skipper from the people who are closest to him on that journey friends family coaches players and managers yes it is Hendo 10 years of red and it is available right now on redmenmerch.com get involved like tongue in a biscuit tin Oh wow, okay. Hello, welcome back. Yeah, if only you could have heard the start of that conversation. Um, right, yeah, the Henderson 10 Years of Red book is available right now. The uh, author signed editions are flying out. They're very limited, left in numbers. So if you're going to grab one, grab one now before they go. Uh, otherwise, it means Ross has to drive an hour to the distributor to get more to bring them back to sign more. It's not going to happen. So yeah, they, they get, get it sorted while you can. Um, right, Nigel Jones, actually with the Super Chat before, uh, before the break, we can get to so I had a pair of Puma Daglish hat tricks back in the day but it, it boots we're clearly discovering that it's all generational football isn't it so like it's like it's like your favorite players your favorite boots your favorite kits and all that kind of stuff and we and we've aged ourselves dramatically by talking we didn't mention um oh god what was the other what was the other Mizuno oh, yeah, <laughs> the other right. great boot brand from the 90s Has that even existed to be honest with you yeah well it, uh, until Lazarmarkovic turned up for Liverpool and he had he had Mizuno boots yeah they went and then good. didn't sell them very well indeed no. uh, yeah in fact I'm going to with anyone by them after I think that. I found a picture yeah there we go I found a picture of Kenny's 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 hat trick boots let me see if I can get this picture up so we can have a little look at that um, no that's it there we go there we go um, yeah um, for anyone watching on the video you can see that's what that's what Kenny Kenny hat trick boots wow. look like they're cool they're cool. I can have it that isn't it actually cool um, right let's crack on with the footy chat then James mm. um it was just lovely watching the Reds be back. You know, we were obviously in the, the studio for it, so we were at the ground, which is galling. But it was just, it's a different world. You don't realise it, and you know, and they've tried the best. And when there was 2,000 fans in, that was better than no fans. When there's 10,000 fans in, that was better than 2,000 fans. And like, they tried us with like that awful, awful piped in noise <laughs> and all that kind of shite. But 
there's there's no replacing it. It's a, it's like watching a different sport, and it is literally almost like the last year didn't happen. Feels like we're just back to what what the football that we know and love again on and off the field. Yeah, well, there's, well, there's been you know there's been certain teams that that I think have been affected more than others from not having fans, and I think we're very we're near the top of that that pile. Um, you know, for everything that, that, that the noise and the crowd bring to our bring to our lads. I mean, you know, how would we have four thousand? I think away fans. You know, hear, hear, you could hear them over the Norwich fans. You know, you could hear the Virgil Van Dyke song. You could hear the, uh, you know, the Tiago song. It's it, 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 everyone just felt you know ten foot tall, and you can see that they play better. They play different. It's a, it's a really strange thing. They 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 shouldn't. Um, but there was almost a kind of robotic kind of nature sometimes to the performances. Not, you know, the, 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 the people have said training exercise, you know, is a term that's been thrown around quite a lot during the pandemic, that it all it felt a bit safe. It all felt a bit safe for me. There wasn't any, you know, big moments. People often don't take that extra touch or or, or, or risk that pass, you know, but whereas when, when you've got the fans there and, and they're behind you and, you know, if you, if you pull something off, and, you know, that's, that's brilliant, all of a sudden, wow, do it again because all these... Shots guys, of adrenaline that a round of applause yeah, will give you. Abs- absolutely, but not just from, from something amazing, from a tackle, yeah. from, from, you know, switching the play, from, from just... And, and it, yeah, it, it can't be underestimated the importance of having Liverpool fans back. It's a completely different game, actually, I think, yeah. because, you yeah. know, you've got to manage the crowd as well as the opposition. Now, you think about so many games last season that they were just all the same all the way through. That big tackle changes it. And yeah. actually, there's a lot of people that say momentum in sport doesn't exist. It might not. The momentum might come from the crowd, mm-hmm. and that and it's, it's a momentum swing from a big tackle or a big save or something like that that gees everybody up, puts everybody on edge, and then forces them in a different direction. Liverpool managed the game against Norwich. They managed the crowd. They shut them up, and then all you could hear was our fans. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, you knew it was only going to go one way. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. It's actually a point. Uh, uh, Connor S has dropped the super chat and he said, "Forgotten how much I missed the scream of the crowd when yeah. a goal is good." It's all the crap shouts as well. You know what I mean? All the random ones. But you know, I don't know whether you've watched City Spurs at the weekend oh, we'll yeah. talk about it more in, in, a bit later on in the pod but that that result is impossible I don't think you know in the last 10 minutes that game was one of the most enjoyable 10 minutes of football I've watched in two years because it's 60,000 Rabid Tottenham fans all screaming the players over the line and they're flying into tackles and they're doing you know and this and that you, it gets it's that extra percent it's that extra depth that you're able to plumb that you don't realise you can until someone go until sixty thousand people go yeah you can yeah and like, oh go Gwes <laughs> Turn, turns out I can you know there's a difference you, you can have it anyway if someone's if someone's shouting positive encouragement at you it's far easier to achieve anything than someone shouting negativity we're not in like we're not like communist athletes you know what I mean where you know you're gonna you're going to be sent to the gulag <laughs> the if threat you of punishment if you give yeah, the ball yeah. away if you're not doing it well like <laughs> you know what I mean um, no it was it was it was great and the one thing that was interesting we, um, me and Chris talked about, about this on the on the show at the, at the time James is that the midfield I don't think it was a spark I, I don't think any of the three lads in midfield had like this sparkling 10 out of 10 performance but what, what I think the important context of I think how the team played was, and I was choking about this. We effectively played six wingers in that game, and people are judging our midfield as though they were meant to be ten out of tens and mm. everything they did for a midfield three, which I think a lot of us would have looked at and gone, "Not really sure." James Milner is a DM, and there's some doubts over Naby Keaton and whether he can do it, and there's some doubts over Oxley Chamberlain whether he can do it. For 
to put those three lads in midfield. I mean, fuck me, Fabinho's played with those two lads in midfield and looked like he'd had the hardest day of his entire life <laughs> like a couple of seasons ago. Like He'd come off the pitch shattered. Mm. I thought I really enjoyed it from a, a really subtle tactical way. You didn't see Naby Keita slaloming through midfield. You didn't see Oxlade-Chamberlain doing the same. But I saw three lads who could all, on their day, play left or right wing for Liverpool at some point over the past few years or play like they were playing like in the the old school Brexit midfield that goes and shuts it, shuts the game down. Yeah, and I think and I think you're right to to mention context as well because I think context in a, in a match like that is really really important. You know, first game back away from home, newly promoted side, rabid Norwich fans. You've like yeah. you said before, you've got to shut them up. You've got you know you've you've, you've got to shut the, the game down essentially, and you've got to control the tempo. You've got to control so many different um, but, but, you know, aspects of the game. And I thought we managed it fantastically. And I think. I think having, you know, I think, look, James Milner was always going to start for me. You, you, you needed that experience somewhere in the park. And I think James Milner does exactly what you want James Milner to do in a game of, of, of that, you know, that sort of calibre against a team like Norwich. If it's, a, if it's against Chelsea, I don't think, I don't, I think, you know, I think you see Fabinho. Um, there's been an awful, you know, there's still been an awful lot of criticism about Naby Keita in, in you know, af, after the game and, and going, going to, you know, into, into the last couple of days. And I feel like a little bit... I feel like it's a little bit unjust, mm-hmm. and I think I think what you're saying about you know the Naby Keita with his slaloming runs and trying to beating lads, that's the Naby Keita that you know we we wanted when we bought him from from Red Bull. That was the player that we thought we were getting. That's not the job that he was asked to do this weekend. He was asked to do more of the Wijnaldum role, to break up the play, to to dictate the tempo, to just be a pain in the arse basically in the midfield, and and and, and that's exactly what he and did even, with the plum, and not even so much. I mean that, but also Chris, particularly the first half, just play the play the role, just pass the ball. Hey, do you know how I know Naby Keita, actually Chamberlain and James Milner all played really well because we won three 0 And you're right, yeah, that's you're, all you're, of the midfield. Right. Yeah. You can't win a game without a midfield playing well. Yeah, you just can't do it. And so that means that they all played well and they all did their role. And it means, and I've said this a few times, I've used this phrase, they had to curb their enthusiasm to go yeah, forwards massively. and do a job for the team. That's what they did. You know, you know, for, 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 for like, you're talking about Thiago with this. is like, it's all well and good talking about how good a footballer Thiago is, but if he can't do all the uh, the horrible bits that Henderson and Wijnaldum can do, then he doesn't won't play fit. for Liverpool. No, yeah. he doesn't fit. And, and, you know, when you come out in the game and you're talking about Kostas Chimikas having a good game and you're talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold having a good game and the three forward lads having a good game, there's a reason why they mm. were allowed to go and have a good game. The foundation was put there by the midfield. It's that simple. Naby Keita played really well and I think there was a tactical tweak at half-time where Liverpool pressed higher up and we saw an evolution of that even more so when Fabinho came on and Roberto Firmino came on and we crushed the life out of Norwich in that portion of the game 45 to 70 minutes it was game over and then we didn't need to work we didn't need to overexert ourselves Alisson comes up with three massive saves to give us the clean sheet Mm -hmm. brilliant because that means something to the lads at the back that means something to Virgil van Dijk and Joel Matip and Alisson and everyone else it's a perfect performance and midfield play well there's a subtlety to how Liverpool play and have learned to play since we became really good. And it's a subtlety we didn't have going back to 17, 18, which I always talk about people like, I think people remember that. And that's weird that they remember Coutinho and his role in it and all that kind of stuff. And they talk about Liverpool needing a Coutinho replacement or attacking midfielder and blah, blah, blah. Liverpool used to start the game with everything they had. Mm. So like, mm. you've got, here's your move. And you throw your big, you throw your big hit move. Actually, you one big mega punch, and you throw it. And loads of times, it would it would floor whoever we were playing against. But when it never, 
we had no idea what to do after that because all of a sudden you'd you could almost your... rope a dope us if you survived exactly. the first 20. Exactly. And I think City are a bit like that actually at times. You know, I think that's how City lose games uh, games of football and certainly how they lost um, at the weekend. But the Liverpool don't play like that anymore. Liverpool actually save all their power for the, for the end of football matches. Mm. Now, it's not to say they cower in a corner. They're still m- more than capable of beating you in that first half of footy. But what I'm saying is they don't burn themselves out. We've got patience now. Well, the point is, Mm -hmm. is that the full-backs will get you or the front three will get you. Mm -hmm. But what what we didn't didn't need to do was go to the next gear, which is when you then tell Ox and Cater. Well, I was saying this on the final word show yesterday on on the RedmondTV.com. Streaming service you can get involved. Do, support us. Thank you very much. It's brilliant. Um, It's as simple as this. Why bring extra midfielders and leave the back door open when the front three are tearing you to shreds? Yeah. It's just stupid, isn't it? It's just stupid. You're risking it for no reason. Yeah, exactly. And it's because, of course, there's probably a degree to which we want our cake and eat it, and that sounds... Because it would have been nice to have a midfielder score a goal as well, wouldn't it? Well, been, no one doesn't want that to happen. <laughs> but, <laughs> we've been saying that for ages, that, yeah. you know, that we, we want our midfield to, to contribute more goals. But actually, if our front three are doing the business and you can, and, and, and you can, you, you know, you're in a position where you can bring Bobby Firmino off the bench with a big smile on his face, scoring with basically his first touch. I mean, you don't really need anything from your midfield other than, as you say, the really, really simple, sometimes ugly stuff. And, you know, for all of Ginny Wijnaldum's wonderful qualities and the amazing performances he put in, and, 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 you know, he's part of some incredible Liverpool sides, there were so many games when he kind of goes under the radar and you don't really talk about him and there's not really a highlight reel. You just, you just, you're aware that Ginny Wijnaldum did a load of Ginny Wijnaldum shit really, really well. Yeah. And that's that's how I felt about our midfield. I think in I think in hindsight, I think Oxo Chamberlain maybe goes missing a little bit when you know in the second half when we when we, you know when we are looking for someone to to make something happen. But I'm I'm, I'm nitpicking, man. I really am. It's, it's really hard to it's find. The, he had with the first it. game of the season. He had 29 yeah, you know touches. Ox, he had 29 touches in the game. I think he completed something like 17 passes. I've seen Wijnaldum go through games and do exactly that exactly. when we've won games. Like I, I've, I wouldn't say anybody underperformed. I wouldn't say anybody had a bad game. If there was one player who could have been more involved, it was probably Oxley yeah. Chamberlain. Yeah, absolutely. Hundred percent. But I, for me, you don't need to shout him down. You can say that like that. You don't no. need to say it's a shit game. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was fine. He was, he was fine. Yeah. And this is the point about this again. It's, it's, it, you're right. It's context that get that often gets lost in that. That's Liverpool's second choice midfield. That's an entire full oh, second God. choice midfield. Yeah, yeah. a full second choice midfield there, and you might argue, you know, Curtis might make a make an appearance in there or half. He might make an appearance in there somewhere down the line. But you know, that's two extra lads for being for me. And until we see it, you know, it's, it's all up in the air because we literally haven't seen it more than a, a handful of minutes for being you know, Thiago Henderson, and and they're all they're all world class footballers. Mil, Milner, Milner, Cater, and Ox are not all world class footballers. They're not. But they're all, they've just won a game of football in the Premier League. And again, because they didn't, I, I think for some it's, it's, it's seen as they're not, it's hard to go, they, that's what they did. That's how we won it because that because it, because you're saying it's the it's the guys holding up the performance. Absolutely, it, they're the they're the gears is that are making a, the animatronic moves. Actually, you know? right, is this not a, a, a thing where we can go, we've got a good squad rather than going the shit? Well, I mean, literally our second. No, but it's like go, it's like going on the Jurassic Park ride, at, you know, on the, in the theme park and clapping the animatronic dinosaurs and, and go, oh, these dinosaurs are amazing because look, I'm, I'm going, ooh, wow, whereas really all the work's been done by a load of technicians <laughs> in the back room that are making the move, you know, and that. That's, that's the nature. It's a of really Liverpool. nice analogy. Paul. Well, no, but that's the nature of our Liverpool are constructed, aren't they? Um, 
I just find, look, I, again, there's no point getting sucked in on the negativity of it all, because there'll always be that. People, I think people have a, a space in their lives for negativity around Some the Some of the shouts team. on Twitter, are, but by Red Men contributors, uh, by the way, have been unbelievable. Is it Sam? He's talking about Sam. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, Sam, Sam, Sam sends his worst, saves his worst shouts for the group chat, as you yeah. well know. Yeah. Costa Shimakash was really good. Sam was wrong. Um, <laughs> he, um, yeah, he was really good. Uh, Joe Matip was brilliant. Yep. Absolutely brilliant. And we shouldn't be surprised by this because he's been brilliant ever since, pretty much since we've There's no one in world football who's more practiced at coming back in after an injury. Yeah. And he's the best at it. Yeah. 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 Doesn't, he doesn't need time to get into his role, just does he? Exactly. But I've seen, we've had, I mean, like Daniel Sturridge got injured all the time and come back and you'd be like, oh, give him a couple of games and he'll get up to speed and blah, blah, blah. And Ox has had similar things and Kate has had similar things. And blah, we've had tons of injury-prone footballers down the years, but you're right. He just comes in and he's just amazing. You know, like, it was mad because they clearly... When I, we were saying that I would be targeting Van Dijk, just just test him, go and see how good he is, and they never they kicked the ball towards Matip and Matip went, all right, sound bang. Yeah, this in the first three minutes, <laughs> didn't he? And just like, what are you doing, you idiot? I'm like nine foot tall. It's 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 for, it's all down to his, his his footballing brain. It doesn't really matter, I don't think, to John Matip how long he's been out for, or even if he's you know he's playing on 70 percent fitness. It's his footballing brain. He's very very rarely out of position. Very very rarely. And and it's just it's it's a nightmare because on the you know if we're an attacker like you say you know you've got Virgil Van Dijk one side well I'm not going to go that way because he's I mean he's a colossus well I'll go that way well Joel Matip's in exactly the right position to break this down yeah. so you know it's 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 a really really lovely position to be in for a change to positive centre back chat yeah definitely there's there's a couple of moments I think and you can see a couple when they just clip it over Virgil Van Dijk and that's going to be I think more tactically astute managers and teams will try that in the next couple of weeks because. Mm. I'd be wanting to Lads test. With fast, and teams are faster forwards. Exactly. Yeah. Chelsea will be looking for that. That's where that's Chelsea's where Lukaku will be sat. He'll be sat making diagonal runs in behind Virgil Van Dijk, trying to from Matip to Virgil Van Dijk. Absolutely. Side. And it'll be interesting to know whether we do whether if because Liverpool are not thick. I think we uh, sometimes you see that where people presume that Liverpool are stupid when really we shouldn't because there's a massive body of evidence to suggest they are dead clever <laughs> at this stuff. Whether you might see in that for those games someone like Canate then comes in and that or Gomez then comes back for that just for the cover and pace mm. of it all. But mm. fine. Uh, just to have Virgil back was, was absolutely lovely I mentioned it there I'm sure it's been covered plenty of times elsewhere Costa Shimikas made up with him so far you know clearly there's a there's a big he, he's, he's gone for a big sleep after that because <laughs> I mean he looks like he needs one constantly he looked white as a sheet when he gave the ball away on the edge of the box yeah. I mean he really did I did like the moment is it, is it Virgil who just shouts in his, yeah. in his ear and he's like come on Come on, carry yeah. on, carry on, keep going, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't seem to be case. Uh, and, but yeah, it, it, it shows, and it's an underrated thing. And this is a bit like the Dwayne Alden shot, isn't it, James? Is that we've got good footballers, but some of the lads we've had are not just good footballers, they're absolute machines as well. And Andy Robertson is, an, is a machine. And there's probably a bit with Costas, is like, yeah, he's looking, looking at the clock and going, God damn it. <laughs> Like me and five aside after ten minutes, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it isn't that. But the thing is, we talk about this. It's problem. There's, there's, he's, he's done good in preseason, mm. but there's nothing quite like you have to do this in a proper match. There's no oh well, I missed that one. I'll get the next one. There's no next one. 
at Liverpool. Yeah, and he'll and he'll learn. It's the intensity of a Premier League game in a full ninety. I mean, he didn't get a full ninety in the Premier League last season, did he? So it's his first one essentially, away, isn't it? Away from home. Madness. It's 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 an awful lot, and he did like you. You're absolutely right. He did exceptionally well. He didn't really put a foot wrong apart from giving the ball away on the edge of the box. Um, but it's 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 great, you know, to have the setup at Liverpool. You know, where the, where there is a direct line to the first team, and players know that. Listen, if you work really really fucking hard, and you stick around, and you believe in the system, and you believe in the process, you will get opportunities. Andy Robbo only gets his opportunity because of an injury. Mm, yeah. Don't forget. And Simakas has, you know, what what happens when Robbo's back to full fitness? You know, we don't know, but but he's certainly done himself, you know, no harm. Liverpool are gonna Liverpool are gonna transition over the next couple of years. This mm. this like this side yeah, we've seen. Yeah. Wayne Aldam is the first step towards dismantling that first great Jurgen Klopp side, and I wonder whether you know he's reinvigorated the lads over the summer. You, you, again, a bit of team bonding makes makes a massive difference, but also to the likes of Cater and, and Ox and what have you. Because I think there's a problem sometimes where your best players go, and then the lads who understudies step up and my, my fear is if they've not already usurped them then you're weakening your side and I think that's a little bit of the concern around some of the lads that we've got it would certainly be a concern if Origi started playing football for us regularly or Shaqiri played football regularly for us certainly but I think there's still I think there's still so much to come from Cater and Ox and then again you've got some of the young lads coming through and, and Shimakas might well fall into this as well um, but I like this I, I, I agree I think there's definitely something where Klopp's been like no you know we're fight, battle, mm. go your hardest and you'll play football matches and there's a chance that you won't just play this season you'll play next season because Thiago and Hendo are not going to go on forever yeah. at that level they're not going to be and neither of them are 50 game a season footballers anyway so you know yeah, it both. It's it, just both it, really like, well. look, don't get me wrong. I, I, as a fan, wanted Liverpool and want Liverpool to sign a midfielder, another forward for this season. But there, I can totally take a step back from being the fan and look at it and go, well, Jürgen's doing that. He's going, we're stocked. We don't need a midfielder. Doesn't matter if we have or haven't got money. Use of the guys. My concerns aren't about whether Ox and Cater are good enough footballers. My concerns are about whether they're going to be fit enough yeah, this yes, season. Yeah, yeah. It's not about whether and. And they and they're not injured at the moment. Well, I know, and fingers <laughs> crossed they stay that way. And that's the problem is that unfortunately you, there's realities of that. We'll, we'll but, do more but, chance for but Curtis bit, can but, step up. Yeah, Curtis has got room to grow big time. Yeah. and he's a he looks like a machine. A guy who doesn't really miss many games and stuff like yeah. that. Touch wood. And you forget that, don't you? As well, like the footballers get better. You know, again, you know, I, I know we wait. You wait. A lot of people waiting for arbitrary football manager and FIFA updates to tell them that footballers are better. Mm. But you can watch it with your own eyes. Like Curtis Joe, Alexander Arnold is is the most obvious living proof. And maybe it's just because we got short memories when things turn round and become really good. That there was a point where he, he didn't play every game, and we weren't sure if he was a right back, and we weren't sure he was even good enough. And now there's a question that he might not be perfectly perfect defensively but he gets 15 assists a season and scores free kicks and you know and scores goals now as well he's asked you know and again he's 22 and he's 22 years old you know there's a chance where you're right the Curtis Jones stuff doesn't feel great to some people right now because they haven't seen him be you know do it be a worldy because he's 19 and you're not, you're and, not and, he was, and, he's, and his nice development's team. been rushed as well, yeah. Kurt Jones. He yeah. wasn't supposed to have played as many first team minutes as he had. Let's not forget, he is still a, he's mm. still a fucking child. Yeah, you know. And again, and people unfortunately go look at we look cast jealous eyes over to other football clubs, and they look at they look at Foden again mm. as though Foden mm. is just has been was was unbelievable at eighteen. He's been managed well. 
Yeah, yeah. He's been managed yeah. so well. They yeah. will, they will, like unleashed him at the perfect time for two, three years. They've been talking about him. Everyone's known about him, yeah. and he's been getting, t- you know, really few minutes proper, you know, cotton wrapped in cotton wool treatment from Guardiola. Learned the role to the nth degree. Comes in and he's ready. That's yeah. what you want. It's, that's what we've got. And that's that's why you know it's very rare that I you know feel any kind of sympathy towards you know United and 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 their club, but the way that we manage our youngsters, they they must be looking looking down the road at us and thinking, God, I wish you know we we should be doing that because it's just not the same level of coaching that they're getting that we're getting. You know, it's just it just isn't. We're going to see the dividends more and more. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Just the, the the acts of things. They've not even been in there a full year. Yeah, and you're already seeing it in terms of the lads who are starting to be blooded. You know what I mean? And the recruitment that they've done around that, like Kay Gordon playing. Yeah, know, unbelievable. unbelievable. Well, Harvey Elliott alone as well. I mean, yeah. Harvey Elliott come back from that loan. What, what, a, what a player we've got on our hands there. Percent. Um, just a, a quick super chat. Kind of off topic, but Gareth Baird sent it in a while ago. He says, lads, uh, can we try and get Liverpool to adopt a Northern Ireland chant called The Bouncy? Uh, Liverpool, Northern Ireland, okay. uh, YouTube Northern Ireland fans, Bouncy to see how it's done. I'm sure go, I'm not going to do it here because that could be anything. Um, but by all means, yeah, people go and have a look and see what they think on that. Um, interesting, because we had some conspiracy theories. Is it a bit like the Torres we're going to bounce in a minute? Yeah, if that's the case, then do it. so much. Um, we now know why Hendo and Thiago weren't involved. It was exactly what we said it was. They weren't fit enough, and they've played a behind the seat, behind closed doors game Sneaky. to get them ready. Sneaky, yeah. They battered. I think was it four one. They beat Villa. Oh, yeah. um, Nico Williams scored an absolute <laughs> screamer. Ridiculous by the way, yeah, check that out on Twitter if you haven't seen it already. Um, but again, we were seeing this like, why aren't they involved? Why aren't they this and that? Like, what are they doing? And again, it's be, and it, when you win, it helps. Because Pep Guardiola's had a bit of this, where he's clearly trying to get it. You know, he's had the same issues where some of his some of his players who would be playing every week have only just come back to train, and so he's not started them, and he's not rushing them back in. Liverpool have done that and they've won, so it's fine. Um, but like Hendo and Thiago, there's no, there is no deeper lying Woody or theory. It's not that Henderson's and, leaving. And it's even better Thiago. because of the contract stuff that's come out as well, yeah. isn't it? You know, since mm. since since the game at the weekend, I saw Gary Neville talking after the Tottenham. Um, Man City game about how you know Harry Kane's the only one of the England squad who wasn't involved in any of the weekend games. No, that's not nope. true, Gary. Jordan Henderson sat it out as well, mate, because they came back too late, and we've got big squads, and we can get through without it. And guess what? Spurs got through without Harry Kane, and he's back in training and stuff like that, isn't it? So, yeah. look, I don't know what's going to happen with Harry Kane, and I don't really care too much to be honest with you. I'd, I'd prefer him to stay at Tottenham. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but Jordan Henderson and Thiago playing football for us in a behind closed door friendly is better than them sitting on the bench for ninety minutes. 100%. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you need to go to show. This is the point, and again, we miss this sometimes because you, with them, that we just get so focused on the there and now and this very moment, this minute, this instant. Why is this team? What team you're putting out? Why is it not? This? It's probably having a squad, and again, Jürgen loves it. He loves the challenge, and he loves the idea of getting into the heads of players and going like, "Use, oh, use, oh, what are you going to do to them today? Oh, you're, oh, Navi, what are you, oh, you're going to, what are you going to do to them?" You know, Imagine having six centre halves to pick one for a game of football. He's <laughs> loving life at the moment, and all of his midfielders can play midfield. He's like, "Oh my god, get a Christmas!" He does look relaxed, doesn't he? He got a little twinkle back in his eye. Yeah, absolutely. You <laughs> know, this is the point, isn't it? You know, again, it's we manage, we don't manage for one game, we manage for the season, absolutely. and some football clubs don't. Mm. And like again. And it's interesting because you look at the, just moving on to some of the weekend stuff, you look at Spurs City, which was just delightful, by the way. Um, the throwing, he's like the threw Grealish in in the, um, in the Charity Shield, didn't he? And they've thrown him in for this game. And he looks looks really good, by the way. He's a really fantastic footballer. Um, 
and they've thrown Sterling in and all, and, all, and all this stuff. And that's, that. I mean, that's a, that's a little bit of a sign of desperation, which is amazing, mm. by the way. And United throwing their players in and all this kind of stuff. I, I just think it's, I think it's great because we've said we can't know what it's going to be like in May, but players who play at major tournaments... And it is, there is actual data on this, but there's a, you can follow their injury records in the seasons that follows. And players that play in major tournaments, late in major tournaments, and don't have proper pre-seasons, pick up more injuries throughout the season. And Liverpool are trying their best to make sure that that's not the case, particularly because we're going to have to handle AFCON in, in January as well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You can't afford to have other... Your lads who aren't at that tournament not available for you. Um, it's just sensible. And if, yeah. you know, and if you break if you break the season down into kind of little blocks of games, we've got now until the, what the international break, I think, is sort of the first little period. Mm-hmm. We've got the Chelsea game in there is obviously, is obviously the big one. But if we get through that period without any injuries and with some points on the board, I mean, you, lead, you put yourself in a really, really good position going into the second half of the first half of the season. Wow, yeah, brilliant. Thanks, I've just mate. about followed that one. Like, yep. I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the, the City team. And I, 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 there's two ways of going about it when you've got a new lad. You can do what Jürgen Klopp does and you can sit them down for a few months and you can train them and make sure they know the system and understand the system and blah, blah, blah. Or there's what Pep Guardiola did. And there's no right or wrong way here, by the way, because I think I look at Manchester City's side and I think there's enough individuals there that can win the games. Yeah. So, and, and, and let's be honest, I think the best way of... Know, knowing whether somebody understands the system doesn't just uh, the theory behind the system but understands the system is to play games of football in the system that's what Grealish is doing he wants to get him up to speed as fast as possible because he knows come the end of the season City will be better for Jack Grealish having played five, six games at the start of the season Liverpool slightly different Cop likes to be maybe a little bit more conservative with his players maybe we don't have as many guys who can break a game open win a game through individual moments of brilliance we rely more on the system more on on the team and our pressing game slightly different we don't control the ball anywhere near as much as Manchester City so a weak link in our chain in the pressing game 
halts everything. So I think I understand why Jürgen does it. I also understand why Pep does it, and I don't think he's wrong to do it either. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was an interesting well, yeah, way to yeah, look at true, it. Like, it's true, isn't it? But someone like that, I mean, like we've dropped players in. We've dropped really talented players straight in. Naby Keita starts the season when we buy him because mm. he's that good. Mm. He's, and, he, and he can just play. And he can just play. You know, some of the players, yeah, it, it took a while to get up to speed, but, you know, Virgil van Dijk, he just comes into the team, no question marks about it. You don't really have to bring goalkeepers up to speed, etc., etc. Diego Jota, Salah, you know, like you know, you know, etc., etc. But the point is, is that you know, again, that's the point. Grealish is so good that you can just you, you can just throw him in who's asked, and you would, why wouldn't you use your hundred million pound signing? But to your point, like the, the the theory and reality stuff. You can you can know I'm supposed to play that pass, but the physical feeling of how much weight you have to put behind that pass is something that comes with actually playing that, isn't it? So yeah, you've got to learn the theory, but you've also got to go and put it into practice. Just on the on the city stuff, because I, again, I absolutely adored, I adored the end of that game in particular because City were battering Spurs, mm. and I and I turned to my dad at the time and just said, it's just inevitable, this isn't it? You know, City are just going to score because that's what City do. They were banging on the door, banging, banging, banging. It was only inevitable. And then, like, obviously, Mares misses that quite good chance. He puts it wide, and then and Spurs had a couple of give them a couple of like bloody noses on the counter. But maybe they lacked a little bit of pace to get to, just to get away from get away from them. It reminded me a lot of us in the quarterfinals against them mm. at the Etihad, where we were pinned back, but then we just got one. It was like Oxley Chamberlain right at the end of the half. I think we had one little chance, and it was like, ooh. We can still do this. We can do. We can definitely do something mm-hmm. from this. And I think that emboldened Spurs as it went on. And that last ten minutes was just, <laughs> what, just wonderful. Without you know, a crowd, does it happen? No, I don't think so. No. And and I saying that City, I don't think City have won at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Four so, years on the bounce. Yeah. So uh, I think he's lost to Tottenham four years on the bounce away from home. So yeah. I think it even goes. Prior, to, I think it goes prior to the new stadium. Yeah, but again, I don't think they've even scored at the new stadium. So obviously, you could argue. I don't think they've scored in all four of those games. Yeah, I don't, you could argue, couldn't you? That it might, maybe, but I think particularly how, given the, the atmosphere around Tottenham at the moment with all the Kane stuff, it, I, I have a sneaky feeling, and particularly if Kane moves, this might be the season where people start to dislike Man City. And I've talked about there's plenty of people dislike Man City, but I mean, they are the bit of safety net for a lot of people's hatred for a while because you hate Liverpool more or you hate United more or you hate Chelsea more. So City are the lesser of the evils. Yeah, so just... But winning breeds contempt over yeah. time and that's and, what City have been and doing. The, and that thing of just buying Grealish means Villa fans now hate them. If they buy Kane, Spurs fans, and Spurs have got a little bit of a, a bit of a rivalry going on with them going back to the Champions League and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like that, they've got a rivalry going on with anyone, and no one cares. No oh, it's one like cares. a fly on your shoulder; you just sort of flick it off. Well, that's Spurs fans. But there's, a, there's, a, there's, but there's growing feelings of antipathy towards Man City, which is, I think, is necessary because it'll make the league more exciting. It'll make, it'll just make the whole endeavor more. Like watching that is because Spurs fans were desperate. To get one over them, it's because fuck you, fuck you, trying to buy our best player for more for fucking ridiculous money, and I get I hear it from City fans like, well look, it's just money, and you know it's just, yeah, 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 it's easy to say that when you've got loads of money and you're buying it up, but on the other end, it's horrible. You know, being told you're on a, you're lower on the food chain. We've mm. had it with Barcelona for years, and it's fucking horrible, and it's lovely being back at the top now, but I look, I, I agree, I, I just that that them fans just being like. 
We hate you. We hate you and, and your kit and your faces and your money. Um, <laughs> no one needs any more motivation now playing City. And that's what you saw from Tottenham and from their fans. And Nuno, I mean, just massive respect for, for you know, for getting that performance out of his players. But motivation-wise, like you say, you don't, you don't have to say anything else other than just fucking ruin these pricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just ruin these pricks. Yeah. No, honestly. I'm sick of them. But like again, it's about this. I'm feeling loads better about the season in general. It's one game, and you know, I was, I was listening to the, a little bit of the Totally Football podcast on the way in before, and they were asking like, what do they think is the outlier of in the results there? Of like, what's the what's the freak result of the weekend? Um, Tell me, someone didn't say Liverpool. No, 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 I don't, no, no one did. But <laughs> we're so far under the radar. No one's even mentioned. Not many teams went away away from home did no, they, this no, weekend. That's true. But there's but there's you have this every every year. One game. One game of the season is not going to define anything for anyone, mm. but it was like I was hoping Lee to do something against Man United, and then United did what they did. I'm like, well, look, knowing that City, some one of our one of our rivals dropping points was like, ah, that's normal because the big it's like because if the big teams won every week, that's what your Acker would be, yeah, or your yeah, Pools yeah, would be, yeah. and you'd be laughing. But it doesn't happen because one of the big teams always loses. But you looked at the fixtures and thought, and we like we were laughing on the build-up show going. Spurs, Spurs are shit. I looked at it and went, ooh, and there was, nah, Spurs won't do it. And they did, and that's fucking brilliant. Uh, and the, the fallout from it, what I really like, I just want to read a, a post. So, Steve McInerney is a Steam company, uh, good Man City YouTuber. Um, I think he's the only one, but he's really good at what he does. Good lad. Um, and he posted this from a, a post on Blue Moon podcast, uh, podcast on the forum. And it says, What I struggle to deal with is the purpose of being a fan. Moments after a loss, the entire forum is filled with comments like, Pep's arrogance is back, he can't put aside his ego. I just don't understand why he didn't play the best 11, even though, the, even though half the squad has trained together for the first time two days before the match. This 20-year-old ball for 20 million playing out of position is a fraud, etc. Like, as if you're a fan, you're not even attempting to rationalise the decisions taken by the club manager, and especially someone as decorated as Pep. Someone genuinely loves the club and goes to war with the media every week trying to defend us, then what? What is the point if you as a fan are not willing to be empathetic towards players who have won so many trophies for us bought so much joy who give 100% nearly every match then who else is going to do it rival supporters the media I don't get why the fan versus club I don't get the fan versus club mentality at all as if as a fan I'm entitled to perfect performances every week and everyone at the club is slaves to my demands as if every mistake is a personal humiliation and all the culprits should be flogged in the market square because the threads after a loss really feel like that I look at other clubs filled to the brim with players who are absolutely disrespectful hacks and I feel blessed that we've got such a great squad I learned yesterday that an Arsenal player Torreira was posting selfies from Disney World or some shite where they're losing 2-0 to Brentford can you imagine Bernardo doing something like that I mean yeah but um and I'm not referring to legit criticism of players' performances because that's warranted sometimes. Maybe Stan or Jesus or Torres or whoever hasn't performed well so people have opinions on that. It's all good as long as it's coming from a place of good intention as an actual attempt at expressing their opinion. But the hate, anger, outrage that I see, it's incomprehensible. Whew. I got that. A lot of that rings true, I think, with how I felt I've seen our fan yep, base being on social media, not yep. actually in the flesh at all, by yep. the way. Um, but it's... This is the team that we're all, when we're looking at all the things we're saying, what are wrong with Liverpool? This is a, this is the football club that have got bottomless pits to spend on transfer funds. They've just spent, they've just broken the British transfer records. You know, they're going to do it again for, for Kane at some point, doubtless in the coming days. So they're going to spend £250 million without even being asked about players moving out. They've got 
the best manager in the in, in the world. And I do that in inverted commas because it's actually Jurgen Klopp. You know, but they've got all these things going from everything you could possibly want from a football club City have got, and they get they still get that when they lose one game of football. Makes me feel so happy because it shows that there's cracks everywhere. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we don't have cracks, but it means that there's imperfections all over the place. So cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like not nothing's set in stone, nothing's written. It's not predetermined how the season's gonna go. Every team's gonna have their ups and downs. Every fan base is gonna have their meltdowns, but the fan the meltdowns of fan bases actually don't necessarily reflect how good a football team is going to be. Just maybe some of the worst of it shows I, how, I, how, it can, how bad it can be. I've always said there was a paragraph in the middle there that's, that rang true for me. Is you don't pay your money to go and watch the team win. You pay your money to go and support them and hope that they win. Yeah. And that's the difference for yeah. me. There's no expectancy when you go to a game of football. You you want them to do well and you hope that they do well and you hope you're there for something big, a talking point that you can remember in years gone by. But you can't expect that. You're there to mm. support your side. And that doesn't just mean when you go through the turnstiles. That means when you're watching it with your mates at home, when you when you however you're typing on social media or whatever it is, you're a supporter of the sides and you want them to do well. And that should be the basis of everything you are as a supporter. And that's it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Everyone gets annoyed. Everyone gets criticisms. My views as soon as the final whistle is up is completely different to my views on a Monday morning mm-hmm. when I've had a chance to digest and everything. When we and do see the, final the context of the weekend's yeah, games exactly. as well. Yeah, because how many times we've drawn a football match. But we end up a point further ahead of everyone else. Yeah, I remember we drew to Watford opening day, three all, and um, it was like, oh God, we've drawn to Watford, what a disgrace. Watford like took points off everyone that season. Like there was like there was some real, some real, and again, we've just beaten Norwich and there's like a, there's an expectation of, should we have started a stronger team or should we have done more? I, like, and Norwich will probably get relegated, but Norwich are also the team that took points off Man City the last time in the Premier League. Now, they might not. Like, the odds of City dropping points back-to-back games. City will probably come and snot them because they're playing them next. But it's, but it, again, it's all, possi- it's all possible. I don't mind. Social media is, you're right, it's about immediate reactions and that's fine. That, it is what it is. You can't fundamentally change what those networks are for. But there is a degree. What I, what I can't abide is... Today is a day, a day. Having seen how everything else has gone, still sat there seething about a player's performance because it didn't matter because we won. And there's a chance for them to improve it in training in the next game and so on. A lot of the stuff on social media is I've said this. And instead of deleting it, I've just got to back this shit yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Now. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 I, I think and, it's instead a lot of going, of, you know what, I was wrong here. I think, and I think there's, and I don't want to. It's impossible to know, so I don't want to. I don't want to overgeneralize because you can be, you can be this at any age. But I think there's a lot of young people who, who don't haven't learned that your opinions are, should be malleable. I think, I mean, I, I particularly from the age of nineteen to sort of probably thirty. To be fair, like I was dead proud of my opinions. Hey, look at me with me for a shiny set of opinions that I've got, and would fight. You're insufferable. No, absolutely. You? <laughs> but I, I'd also learn. Yeah, Chris knows. Um, but I'd also learned how to argue, and have a debate. A debate. I used to, I used to God, I get drunk and just have fucking and just take a point and mm. argue it to high heavens, and that happens like all across social media now, where some people do this. I've had people, the good thing is, I've had people who've had those over the years and have come to me years later, haven't given me loads of stick for saying like. Instead of going, you're dead positive, it's because you're in the pocket of the club. Instead of going, you're dead positive because you're actually, that's how you see it. <laughs> and then years later, come back and going, I'm really sorry. I I, I, I just have this really entrenched opinion. I, I've changed my opinion. I realise you've, you haven't. And that's, you know, and I, and that, I don't expect that. It happens very, very, very rarely. But I think that, that happens a lot on social media, right? It's people dying on hills for what? Because... 
they've just because you've had your fight or flight engaged by your telephone <laughs> and you've decided instead of just fucking deleting it because it's seen it's somehow seen as like cowardice no, or, it's seen or as yeah, weakness. Yeah. When it, when it, when an actual fact being uh being strong enough to, to to change your mind and change your mind publicly or to admit that you're wrong or to admit that you acted inappropriately or wrongly or whatever, there's a huge amount of strength and maturity in that. And that's you know that 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 should be celebrated. When people do go, actually lad, you know what I'd had a bevy, that was a bit of a shit thing to say. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a lot of you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of strength in that. But the bottom then the bottom line is, you know, we're all we're all so lucky as football fans that we get to, you know, we 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 obviously get to do this, which is you know amazing. But you know, as football fans to to have something to to celebrate and to support and, to, and to, uh, a fan base and to make friends and to sing songs and to be part of this this football culture is, is, is an incredibly lucky thing and an awful, awful lot of people in the world don't have that so it should be celebrated it should be cherished and it, it, you know and, and uh, there's, there's far too much negativity it just doesn't need to be there yeah, for people are look because you can do the whole without getting full dads on it of like you know when your kids don't want to eat the dinner and, and they complain about the really nice meal you've made and you're like there's the starving kids in Africa you know what I mean and it's, it's a bit like you know I don't want to go in there look at all look at the, look, what about no. the bed fans you've had the clubs taken off them because pe some people are too don't uh, lack the emotional intelligence to care for the to care for the wider and and you know and, and they end up with this entitlement so I know it's been a big button of yours for a long time Chris is what you were you were sort of alluding to before um you can't make make people have that but no. you can but it, you know it's not wrong but it's also not wrong to address it and 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 and, and talk about it because as I say if even if Man City fans said <laughs> to fallen off who've got every One game possible in. advantage in football then there's probably hope for all of us, <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Um, Gareth Bear just followed up a Super Chat before, um, saying it's just bouncing in the stands. It sounds great. Um, let's just do that. I'm all, I'm all up for bouncing in the stands. Uh, Le Chill with a £10 Super Chat. Well, thank you so much. That's lovely. Uh, hi, lads. Jez here from Brighton. Hoping you lads uh, all the best this season. Great start to the campaign. Listen to you lads while stuck in bed with COVID. Be careful oh, out there. Mate. We'll get well soon, mate. It is absolutely horrendous if you get it bad. Um, so, yeah, hope you're feeling hope you feeling better um i was in bed feeling horrendous after the fucking second <laughs> second jab so like that, that was just the worst i felt since actually having it yeah me too um, but at least i can go on holiday now so it's fine um right uh yeah we're gonna talk a little bit about the transfers i've kind of ties into a lot of what we've been talking about there though just briefly jürgen we touched upon this and we did a big old chat about this on the reds transfer roundup show last week by the way which is streaming exclusively on the redmentv.com so do check that out um he basically intimated chris that we're not signing any more players. And what that means is not that Liverpool won't sign any players between now and the transfer window, but he then went and listed all the players that he's got in the squad. Completely forgot to mention James Milner, which is quite funny. Um, but he, but he name-checked Shaqiri in there and the likes of Origi. And there's... It, I, I, I think we sometimes overread and overanalyse Jürgen's things. This is one was quite clear to me, is that if Jürgen Shaqiri moves on, which he probably will... Then there's a, there's more of a chance that we'll buy someone because he's not going to buy a player, which then leaves another footballer a earning a wage from Liverpool and not being able to play football. Yeah, I think that's right, isn't it? I mean, look, the other thing is we're not buying any more players. You could look at it that way if you if you so choose. And on the evidence of so far this season, I'd say that's probably more likely now. Um, but that, you know, if we get people out and there's time for us to buy and they're in the right sort of bracket for what Liverpool want and they're the right age, the right price and everything else, and maybe the team wants to sell or whatever, then Liverpool may do something. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold my breath on Liverpool making a making a signing. 
before the end of the transfer window personally I think the other thing that he, he mentioned in another interview a few days ago which I think we're going to talk about a little bit later on is that thing of we spent our money on Ibrahim Akanate before we sold and that's probably where I'm looking at and going okay that's that's probably the biggest hint as to what's actually going to happen. Well, it's, a, it, it's, it, it's an interesting point because you're right because obviously Jurgen was talking about how clubs do the business. And look, there's no him calling out PSG, Chelsea, and City. We're all doing it. We're all having these conversations. I've got no problem with our manager addressing those things. Yeah, the, he mentioned Man United in there, which then sparked uh, Lottie Whitwell, I think it is from the Athletic, to write a, a think piece about explaining to Jurgen. He's athletes, athletes playing, um, which is it, which is it, which is a new term for, for the athletic, for the athletic who know more about everything in football than everyone speaking to the common man and explains them how football actually works. Uh, yeah, he athletics well, well, I hope to God you learned something from reading yes. that piece. Yeah, athletics explained that the reason Manchester United can do that is that although yes, they've lost lots of money. And they're in a real, not not in a particularly healthy financial situation. And yes, the Glazers have taken billions out in in, in in debt and all that kind of stuff. That they've got good revenues, and yes, those revenues have gone lower. So, but they're still steady. They're still fine. But there's a great. I need to find the actual line on here. Can't afford to fix the yeah. roof though. Can United's they? healthy. But and he mentions like obviously Barcelona are in absolute state, and Real Madrid are in a state, and Inter Milan are in absolute state. And he said, COVID nineteen may have cost United around 150 million in expected income owing to behind closed doors matches but commercial revenues have incubated the club from excessive trauma and the multiple sponsorship model instigated when the Glazers took over of United is one Liverpool have embraced themselves leading to the financial gap closing between England's two biggest clubs and it goes on to talk about their revenues and saying United earn more revenue than Liverpool but basically saying and about United, 20 million more by 20 million yeah absolutely and they said Liverpool uh, Man United were budgeting for one big marquee signing and, this, and they've deferred payments over a number of bits so we said basically the signing this summer only cost them is only costing them twenty three point five million. Well, pounds. actually, that's that's not what he says. He guesses those numbers. Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, 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 he does. <laughs> he guesses those numbers because he, he said, "Well, if we just spread that well, fee over says, five years equally, yeah. then it would only be twenty three. Yeah. But then he later says that actually most big payments are the uh, the biggest payments are in the first year. So he goes back on what he's saying. He says the exact terms Sounds are like he known. Doesn't know what he's talking about. Actually, the exact though. terms are known only to those who have seen the relevant documents. Okay. So uh, not him. Uh, initial payments can sometimes be larger than the rest. Oh, but yeah. split evenly, it would mean, if it was split evenly, it would mean United's outlay on those two players is total slightly more than 23.5. And you're going, okay, cool. And that's fine. And then it goes on. Uh, even considering. Three and a half million back in the consi- Yeah, even considering they made a quarterly net loss of 23.2 million as recently as last October, that is patently a palatable sum of money. For example, United brought in 62.6 million commercial in the three months from December last year, a decrease of 11% from 19, 2019, <laughs> but steady enough. United's payments this summer are not consigned to Sancho and Varane though Donny van der Beek's 40 million fee was also stretched out um, through the number of years has not been disclosed it seems reasonable to calculate that United guess. would use to pay Reed, exactly guess. guess that United would pay 10 million so it's not 23 million it's, it's add 23 million add the 10 for van der Beek and they said well hang on it's offset because United are due 3.4 million from a sell-on <laughs> clause from Lukaku Whoa. Um for Jürgen, instance, Jurgen Klopp really gets on people's but no, tits, but yeah, no, no, but yeah. Jurgen Klopp, go on, I don't know how United do it. Even the fucking <laughs> Athletics fucking chief 
football writer is trying to act, who's trying to act lettuce playing it to us doesn't understand. <laughs> so of course Jurgen Klopp doesn't fucking understand how United have got the money. Um, but it's just but you're right to guess you're saying it. They're going um, for instance money owed by the Italian side and the original 74 million pound transfer has also been paid over instalments as per the agreement. So they're saying they're still owed Lukaku money, which they might be because people are saying about like the Coutinho stuff. Mm. But then there's also people who say for towards and saying, well, no, Liverpool sold that to another company, so they got their money off someone else. So again, we, this is all guesswork. And it's saying, oh yeah, and it goes, um, Aston Villa will also be paying a loan fee to United for Axel to and Zabi. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, there you go. That'll That's do it. That's what you get Varane yeah. through the door so with you, Sancho. So what they're saying is, United are fucking. Mate, I, I've still got massive revenues, but they, their revenues are lower than ever. They've lost loads more money than ever. Um, but they're still. But they're, basically, what they're saying is they're comfortable spending beyond their means. I, I, United can do that because they're right. Because they have got loads of stuff, stuff going for them. But the point club. is, United are far closer to Barcelona. United, us United and Barcelona as it turns out are in similar sorts of boats because we're not owned by countries and multi-billionaires who are prepared to bend every rule to hide that money you know, and, and do whatever needs to be done but Man United I need to be careful because if that doesn't work then they're going to end up. They're going to end up on the path. They've been rolling dice for seven years. Yeah, yeah, but what? But what? But what does look like success to Manchester United and Manchester United's board? Is it trophies? Is that what? Because it, it doesn't it seem. To, but it, but, it, but eventually it has. Well, to no, be. but that's what's important to the fans. That's, is that necessarily what's important no, to, no, to, to their shareholders? No, yeah, the Champions the, League. It's the dividends. Exactly. So, mm. to the, so success to the Manchester United board it doesn't necessarily equate to winning a Champions it's keeping League. Keeping it going. Isn't it's it? keeping it going. And if they've been doing this for seven, eight years, however long they've been doing it. You know this this sort of cycle of, of of investing beyond their means. You know they you know they don't they don't sell many players for a, a lot of money, do they? Do no, because the players are buyers. Shit, <laughs> that's that. that yeah, that's you're not getting eighty million. You're not getting a return on investment from. That's what I'm trying McGuire. to say. That's you what I'm moving trying to say. Now you might like if Sancho moves on. You know, yeah. like you know, and, and that's so that's that, you know they, they have done some really good recruitment. Let's not let's not sit here and say we wouldn't have had Sancho. Mm. And you know, in another world, we wouldn't have been more than happy with. Rafael Varane like if you told me that Virgil was done and you needed to go out in the market and buy a senior centre half and we'd have been all, I'm, and I'm saying we probably would have been all over mm. Rafael Varane if, mm. uh, if Virgil van Dijk had just dropped dead we'd have to go out and buy him buy someone of his stature that would have been great so they've got they've got brilliant players they've got a brilliant squad they've got an iffy manager but made by one by all accounts he's getting better in the job so he might he might do the business it's all fine but again it's, it's, you know I, 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 I as you're saying I love the fact that Jürgen is it's just he's just you fall into a trap there that I think every football fan at some point during the season falls into. You're saying the great signings, you don't know that. Mm-hmm. Because Veron was a great signing and Shevchenko for Chelsea was a great signing yeah. and everybody else. They're good players, but yeah. whether they're a great signing for that club is yet to be seen. Yeah. Bruno Fernandes, great signing. I yeah. think everybody yeah. can yeah. now yeah. say after a full season, we all thought it was going to be, and he's proved to be. Donny van der Beek, yeah, not so time. sure. Yeah. No, so absolutely. this is the, this is what it comes down to. It's how they perform in that side. I think Sancho will be brilliant for them. I think Varane will be really good for them, but we don't know that necessarily yeah. yet. Exactly that, you know. And again, it's one of those things at the moment. Everyone's flying. I'm seeing Man United, our Man United friends going on about uh, you know the the, the, the winning the title this year and all that. Yeah, acquaintances, <laughs> business associates. Um, uh, but yeah, peers. Pe- yeah. Um, but yeah, it, right. It's, it, it's what. <laughs> They're lovely. They're all fine. They're all winning. They support terrible football team. Um, yeah, again, it's one of them. It's one of them for me. And it goes back to the Liverpool's transfer situation here. Is 
it, 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 in fact, it's, it's mentioned in, in that article as well, and it's something that's a consideration. They've now got to move players on. Hmm. They've now got two weeks to bring some of that money back in. Otherwise, they will be in a spot of bother. And the problem is the market is... Nobody knows how what the transfer market's going to be like. It's going to be a fucking shit show one way or the other this next couple of weeks. And I'm part of me is glad that Liverpool aren't in that. And if anyone... If anything, Liverpool are, because of how smart they are transfer... I trust, that Liverpool, I trust Liverpool to come out on top because we've got people who are very good at transfers at the football club. They're very good at extracting value when they move players on. They're very good at getting good deals for players when they bring them in. So it's your, right, it's your point, Chris. The good thing is, is I'm not asked. Yeah. If we don't sign anyone else, I'm a bit laissez-faire about it. I'm a bit case that. I'll shrug my shoulders, and, it, and, I, and if Liverpool don't win the title, they don't win the title. That won't, you know, and we can maybe look back on it like we did last season and go, we should have bought a centre half, and that's why Liverpool were absolutely fucked. It wasn't. It was that they, you know we needed to buy three centre halves because we could have bought a centre half, and we still needed to buy at least one in January. On top of that, you know, and which you then got injured anyway. Turns out we get, have the lads at the club. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I think we'll be. I personally think we'll be all right. I just would be. I, I think we'll be more encouraged if we I did feel do. much better now than I did a month ago in yeah. terms of signings. Yeah. I, I was. I was part. You know. I think we all. I think we were all part of that kind of fuck. You know, looking down our, our, our squad list and thinking he's injury prone. He's injury prone. He's getting old. You know, there's there's questions about over a few of them. But like we said at the top of the show, you know, if everybody stays fit. Then this this team can can go on and achieve more great things than they already have. I'd, I'd love you know I would still love Divock Origi and, and Jen and Shakiri to both leave. I think I think they've both had their time, and I think I think Divock Origi's got an awful lot. I think they both have, but I think Origi's got an awful lot to offer a club lower down the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I, I, he really has, and if, if he's got any ambition at all, any desire to go on and further his career, he'll leave, and so will Shakiri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our squad again. Our, our squad is not a crap squad. If you, if they're the weekly. If they're the dead wood in our squad, mm. then it shows you how brilliant our squad yeah. is, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Because they don't, their only problem is that they don't fit naturally into what we do. But if you, you know, we've seen a number of times over the years as a break glass solution, if everything else has fallen apart and everyone's dead, you're having a mad, a mad crisis, having those lads and just throw them into it, isolated games here and there. That better than throwing, you know, you'd be you'd, you'd be trusting Jaden Jakiri in a Champions League semi final over Kate Gordon. Yeah. And that's that's the reality. Now, if they if they let him go and they leave us with that situation, that's a slight concern. Unless this kid ends up burst onto the scene and becoming an absolute world, you know what I mean. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm okay, I'm kind of okay with it. I, I wish I there's part of me that kind of looks at a lot of the the ire and the fury and kind of I feel like I feel like I've I missed. Yeah. I think I've always got angrier quicker than you when it comes to the football team. I think I think generally speaking, I'm pretty lazy, fair on the footy, but there is a point where I'll go, fuck this, like we need to change. I remember it happening about Coutinho and stuff like that after that. But I definitely feel like the pandemic's made everyone worse for that. Like the anxieties have all been at the surface. Not being able to go and show your support and almost affect football matches, whether it's true or not. Yeah. I fucking believe that I affect with, with the people that I'm around in the ground, affect how the team's playing. So I feel more just excited that I get to go back into the ground yeah. and enjoy football the yeah. way I've been brought up on football. Football is definitely harder on people who are surrounded by fans of other football teams, yeah. I think. 
Like, and I see, and I see a lot of, like, and this is, you know, because you can, be, you can be, by the way, and it doesn't need saying because we've been saying this for years. It's a very, very much our, our take on this. You can be a, a diehard Liverpool fan from anywhere on the planet. I'm not, I'm not asked. I don't care whether you've got a purple bin or not. Um, as long as you love the football club and you buy into it, you know what I mean. Then you can be from wherever. But and I this is the only club where people from around the around the world seem to buy into the culture of yeah, the football club. Exactly. You don't it, see that with it, other it, fans it, of other clubs. Exactly. Either. I think people, yeah, you have it sometimes where people try to not have that, and I think we've seen a little bit of a rise that through lockdown. On social media, people want it to be want it to be the way they want it to be, and for whatever weird little world some of those people live in. But the point is, I think if you're and I see it from the lads who live in London, who've got Chelsea mates and United mates and Arsenal mates, and you know, and it's like it's like being in a WhatsApp group with lads. You you're never safe. <laughs> you you never you're never safe from being the the target of 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 the abuse and bullying. If something goes wrong, you say the wrong thing in the wrong way, and you're getting it. And so like there's a thing where I think people live in in more of a, a, a cauldron in sort of environment where they need Liverpool to be perfect every week. Well, they need, and they they need to put their own be... shield up. The Liverpool are their shield almost yeah. from abuse, aren't they? Exactly. And I think people have to have to be more. Public in that, like you, you feel like you have to wear your shirt a bit more. But when you to, just because to, that's how that's an identity shirt that identifies mm. with people around the world, where people in Liverpool don't wear them as much because you don't need to because it's just it's just part of your DNA as much as anything else. But when you do that, you put on a banner up, and you t- I, I've had it with being where I've had a Liverpool trackie on, and someone in KFC in a service station driving down the country has gone, oh Slippy G, and I'm like. The fuck, are you talking, the fuck are you talking about, you fucking weirdo? Because he's seen the Liverpool badge and thrown that at me, you know, apropos of nothing. I made up with that. Can yeah. I tell you what happened to me in a, in a service station the other day? I've not told anyone this story. I was waiting for a good time and it kind of links in, right? So I was in I was in a petrol station with a shop and all that type of stuff, costume machine and all that, driving home for, from the caravan. Get there, outside, having a coffee. Uh, I've been watching loads of that video where the fella uh, on YouTube basically like pranks people like squirting water guns when he's in, on the other side of the aisle and oh, stuff like that. Puts it. a box on their head. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And all of a sudden, I'm wearing shorts, by the way. I've got wet legs. Turn around. Fella walking off over there. Carry on making me latte anyway. What the fuck going on here? I'm right by the exit for the toilet, and the fellas who aren't dry and their hands are coming out, flicking their fucking hands, and the water's going all over my leg. Three times while I was making a coffee, three, three different fellas came and flicked their fucking pissy hands. Vaguely pissy hands on your legs. There Bastards. you go. Don't wear shorts in service stations. Fantastic. Would, would it have been better if you'd been getting pranked? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not it sure. Been. I think so. It would have been clean water. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. There you go. Fantastic. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's something to be aware of. And I, and I say this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't wear shorts in petrol don't stations. Stand outside, don't, uh, yeah. don't put your coffee machine by the exit to the men's, is what I'm saying, Costa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there, there is a point again. It, it's, about, it's about trying to be. The footy's back now. So, like. It's up to the lads to do it. Jürgen and the boys, they, they, they'll have what they have. And I know well... Pay, Jack. Fucking and then have that all through Rudston. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? My fucking junior mean? school, yeah? Fucking. Yes, Liam. <laughs> and it, or if it, was, it wasn't Pissy Page, like it was Chrissy Pissy. You know what I mean? You've had a hard life, haven't you, mate? Tell you, mate. Yeah. Brings you down. No, yeah. I, think, I think, you know, the point you're trying to make, or certainly I, as I interpret it, you know, the football's back. We've got 90 minutes to sing some songs, have a really good time and support these lads that we've got. And that's that's kind of where it begins and ends for a lot of people. Obviously, you know, we get to do shows and stuff and, you know, talk about it and, and, and you know, tear it apart after the game. But for the majority of people, just enjoy what is a really wonderful time to be a Liverpool fan. These players, we're gonna this manager. Win a, we're going to win a lot of games. Yeah. We will lose yeah. some. We will draw some. 
it will happen. We may win everything. We may win nothing. But as long as we, but but it goes back to that point, and I think people forget people have forgotten this because we didn't get to really see us win the title. I mm. think as fans, we don't know what it's like to win the title, but this team knows. Mm. This team actually does know how to do it, and that's important because it didn't not happen. It very much happened. They put all the hard work in. They pissed. They absolutely pissed that league, and they've got them. They they've got the experiences and the and the calm and all that stuff that goes with it. I don't think as fans we have. And I think we need to remember sometimes that, you know, look at what we've got and look at what we've done. And again, in no way, shape or form is this a worse squad. It's a better squad. Than the team that won the league. It's a better squad. Yeah. It's got Thiago Alcantara in. And you look, and my only point on this is that all the other clubs have added these players and they've added players that can be good. Like City, City cannot be better than Centurions. And we we and we've been very close to that team for a number for a number of seasons. City might win it, but I I can't see Liverpool being twenty points behind Man City this this time around. And the also point of that of buying players in means players need to gel and they need to take time. And it might take half a season. There's a reason Chelsea Chelsea have got a title winning squad, but weren't capable of winning the title last year because it took half a season to get the players up to speed and right. the right manager. Yeah, Chelsea are, Chelsea are really good, right? But let's not forget that they were struggling at the end of last season mm. to hold on to top four. Mm. You know, we, I know, I know they go on and win the Champions League and stuff like that, but they're not perfect yet. I think yeah. they're a, they're a long way from perfect. They've got great players and they've got a good manager, but they're a long way from perfect yet. And I think Liverpool can be perfect. No, exactly. Completely agree with all that. So I think things are good. I think everyone's feeling generally quite good. I, I, I always say about this is that it's hard to gauge the barometer of, of, of fans and the problem is, and I, I said this years ago about there'll come a point where people, clubs will start to judge how fans think based on what they're seeing on social media. And unfortunately, yeah. we've had a year where social media has been it. That's been the only way you can get near fans. And so people have unfortunately started to think that that's the real thing. And there's a lot of people who go on there looking for help and support and see the toxicity and go, oh my God. And, and some people either go, okay, that's what it is then and, and pull it over themselves and, and, and go and become part of it. Other people pull away from it. I always say, you know, in terms of people I speak to in and around in and around the city I, I, I don't feel that I don't get I don't get it I don't get any sense of that and that's always a pretty good a pretty good problem not to say there's not negative people in Liverpool that definitely are mostly the support Everton um, but it's fine right cool boss podcast guys thank you so much for joining me for that one I just want to check I've not missed any super chats I have not you guys are amazing have an absolutely amazing week we'll be back with the build up show uh, on Thursday I think Wednesday or Thursday uh, there's also going to be the Reds transfer roundup show so if you want more transfer chat we're going to be talking Jordan Henderson contract stuff the potential of Salah stuff uh, any more news on player outs that's going to be on that one and then Neil Jones will be in for transfer insight on Thursday as well so do check that out uh, other than that uh, have an amazing day we'll see you all soon